So I actually, I actually sold my car so I can create time in my day where on the train where I can just sit and type. Just fell into place, so, you know, God like put it all in place. The, the video editing from when I was like a kid, the motivational speaking, the ability to explain complicated things in simple ways, access to an airport, understanding the engineering, all just kicked together into 45 little second videos about how things work at the airport. TikTok blew up first, like TikTok went completely viral first. Instagram quickly followed afterwards. And then this community emerged of people who just wanted to learn about the airport. Literally, it's a bit of plastic. I picked it up and I put it in the bin and I recorded myself do that. That video got 8.9 million views. <laughs> I was so scared. I still remember I was holding on to the radiator and my knees were shaking so violently that I had to hold on with two hands just to try and calm. You can hear it in my voice yeah. like when I was saying massive security breach at the airport. Da, 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 da. Right, fat email. And there was a link. And where did that link take them? To my TikTok page. Where within a two week period, I probably received more hate than I've ever received in my entire life concentrated within a probably a 48 hour period or even now. Welcome everyone to the Flying High Cup podcast. Uh, thank you for all of your responses. And today I have a fantastic guest. Uh, he's a star. He's a, a TikTok star and he's taken the internet by storm. Many of you would have seen his content. He's been all over the place behind the scenes exposing what goes on in the world of the airport. Uh, he's amassed over 450,000 followers online, millions of views and a fanfare behind him and a great community of aspiring young engineers and airline talent. Uh, he's working with some of the greatest brands that we know, uh, and he's in inspiring the next generation of aviators across the world. His reach is global, and he is one of the most humblest people I've ever met and, and through conversation. Uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Mohammed Tahir, or Moti, or even motivate everyone. <laughs> Thanks so much, bro. Thank you for pleasure. thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here, my absolute pleasure. And Mo, this is a this has been a long time coming. I mean, I met you. It's coming up to a year ago now, uh, and it was in an office celebrating Black History Month. I don't know if you remember, and it was just a quick run in of saying, "Hey, I, I fanboyed." I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I was like, oh, "I've seen him TikTok." Hey, Mo, how you doing? Uh, and now here we are, sitting face to face. And you know, here's a secret story that we didn't talk about before. Mm. You asked, why did I kind of start this? Where, you, you know, what was the, the thinking behind it and um, the sort of structure? And I kind of looked at your content. I'd be like, damn, I could do that. You could. I could do that. And it, exactly. This is it. So uh, I don't want to big you up too much. Say you were my inspiration, but you're definitely an element that sort of gave me the push over the edge. Um, and you I think it was some. Action, man. You took the action. That's all that matters. And, and that's one thing. And, and hopefully that message will resonate to, to the people listening and um, we go from there. But it just takes that one spark to push you over the edge because I think it was just one line that I didn't realize that a lot of the work that you did, you did yourself and, and via, you know, we'll cover this, but your own device. Yeah. And it was that of why am I aiming for perfection? Let me go with the interim and then go from there. So, yeah, that's a, that's the best introduction I could give. Um, so Maybe. thank you for that motivation. But, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's uh, been a long day for you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners and, and the world. I think 
many of them will see your short form content, but I want to ask you, you know, tell us a bit more about yourself, um, where you're from, and especially, you know, coming up from your childhood, mm. how did you get into the travel space? Wow. So first of all, thank you. I'm absolutely humbled by by that introduction. And, and I'm so glad that maybe just one thing I done maybe sparked that thing in you that means that we're here. And I love seeing people take action. So thank you for taking action. Uh, my name is Muhammad Tahir, is like the way you pronounce it in Arabic. But everyone called me Muhammad Tahir or Moti or the airport guy. You take a pick, whatever you want. Got to be a great name, the airport guy. <laughs> the airport it? guy. I was at an airport exhibition last week. And when I introduced myself, like I have it on my badge, it said the airport guy. People look at it like, what? You're the airport guy? And I'm like, here's my card. Take a look. And yeah, the rest of the history from that moment. Uh, but yeah, so I born and raised in, in Northwest London. So always sort of around um, the airport, Heathrow Airport specifically, of all of them. Um, my my heritage, my background is Iraqi. That's where my parents came from. And funny story, 1990, my parents actually arrived to the UK at Heathrow Airport. So it really did go full circle for me to be back at the airport. I know you have a quite a family sort of history in the aviation space. Yeah. I feel like we all do when we sort of live in that it's West It's a funny London. space, honestly. I've, I've met so many people and people previously the podcast um it's a lot of where i've met a lot of family friends growing up and that was it there were the airport guys if there were if they adopt that name and there were friends and family from there and that's where we sort of that was where we mingled from it was uh it's quite something yeah absolutely. i mean you know i feel like maybe you you were lucky in that sense because you had family that worked in the airport although my parents arrived to this country through the airport i never had anybody growing up that worked in the aviation space um my dad never told me what i could be when i was older he kind of said do what you want so initially, I aimed to want to be a pilot, but um, there came a, a phase in my life where I didn't really want to be a pilot, but I wanted to do something in aviation. And my brother-in-law took me on a day out um, to go to a company called Marshall Aerospace near Cambridge. And the CEO at the time, I think it was his last week or two in the, in the job, he took me on a tour between the, the engineering facilities, the actual sort of uh, the manufacturing facilities of these aircraft, and then the actual runways and the hangars and where they operate. So... Marshall Aerospace has the capability to design, build, and fly an aircraft all from one spot. And literally, the CEO took me on a day trip around this whole facility, and it blew my mind. And I remember after that moment, I kind of walked out of there, and I remember this thought instinctively. was like, I want to be an aerospace engineer, because I, I know that if I study aerospace engineering, at least, it will sort of point me in this direction of like getting into the aviation sector. But because I never had anybody in my family who had done anything in the aviation space when i used to go and tell my uncles that oh, i want to be i want to be an aerospace engineer i used to get pulled to the side and i used to get told muhammad listen you're arab you're muslim your name is muhammad 9-11 just happened like it wasn't too far away yeah. they don't hire muslims in the aviation industry i didn't have a, a person growing up that i looked at in the aviation industry who was a muslim i could relate to that i thought yeah i could do that because they're doing that too i mean I'm so glad to hear that you did. I didn't, but I guess it didn't stop me. I, I wanted to do it anyway. It was like this thing inside me that just, I was so fascinated by aviation and about how planes fly, like looking up at the sky and just being absolutely bamboozled <laughs> by how a plane is able to just lift off the ground and fly. Like it, it just never incredible. made sense. So aerospace engineering, I guess, was able to scratch the surface on that. But I mean, even to this day, man, when I stand on the side of the runway and I look out, yeah. Watching an A380 take off never gets old. It never gets old. It's always just as amazing. But yeah, I guess after studying aerospace engineering, if, if I was to tell you a bit about my career journey from there, 
during a placement year at uni, I worked at Lufthansa Technique, which is where we used to rip apart the landing gears for aircraft. Yeah. Every eight to 10 years, you do the overhaul of these yeah. landing gears and then we put them all back together again. So I was there on the actual line, making sure the process was nice and efficient. Finished my degree in aerospace engineering, graduated and then I joined Heathrow Airport on the graduate program, uh, the engineering graduate program specifically, where I spent two and a half years going behind the scenes in every single engineering function that puts an airport together, all the pieces of the puzzle that are so important to making sure that an airport works, yet nobody ever talks about. No limelight, yeah. No limelight. They're just sort of trundling along in the background. And the only ever time you, you hear about them is when they go wrong. That's the only ever time yeah. where people yeah, yeah. even think about them. I was so blown away by the scale of the engineering that happens behind the scenes at an airport. I just couldn't help but like wanted to tell people about it so i used to go like to my auntie and i used to show her pictures and videos of stuff at the airport i'm like look how cool this is she was like why don't you share this i'm like what but like who'd care like i just want to show you she goes no like try out try share this stuff i'm like where she goes i don't know like instagram or something i was like okay <laughs> literally it was that um there was i guess a few other things that, that sparked together that made me really motivated to do that and put stuff online remember how i never had anybody who inspired me when i was younger a lot of my inspiration came from watching youtubers who used to explain stuff about the international space station and, and really break down these really complicated things in very simple ways shout out to destin from smarter every day there's a youtuber called smarter every day who was like the foundations of like my introduction to science and aerospace engineering growing up but i realized that actually i was inspired by the internet and by people explaining the things that they learned to me. Yeah. And when my auntie told me, why don't you do it? I kind of thought, you know what? No one's talking about this. So why not? And the off the rest was history. That's, I'm sure we're going to dive into that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's so, that's incredible because uh, like you were saying, like, you know, the role models and stuff. So there's, there's a number of things to unpack there. So for me, my father worked as a, he was a baggage handler. Mm. So he was on the front line and, and he used to tell me hilarious amounts of stories that used to happen <laughs> over there and uh, incidents with animals running across the runway. And it, it, there, there's tons of stories and yeah. you're sitting there laughing. So um, at, at them. So I've never been operational. It was never, I only thought it was the plane, stairs, bag drop, you go kind of thing. I entered the back office world mm. and I saw a completely different zone to that. Oh my God, this is a complete, and my brother who also worked in, he was completely operational. So we're on two different sides and you'd have argumentative conversations of, well, this doesn't work <laughs> because you do this. We, in essence, work for the same company yeah. uh, most of the time. And it's uh, hilarious, but you, you zoom out and you see how big this space is. And, and when I say role models, yes, my, my dad was uh, a role model in the sense of he came, he supported his sisters back in Pakistan from the wage that he would earn from his job and to support his family so that that was incredible his friends at work other baggage handlers were from africa kenya and that was the family that ended up i had ended up adopting because mm. most of my family were in another country and mm. they hadn't moved apart from my dad so that was my family the airport family and that's all they used to talk about wow talk about a brand and you know it used to be ba used to be uh, heathrow what what term just all that was just surrounded Scroll by men talking about this and women just fed up of it but it was <laughs> quite hilarious but that's it um but yeah you, you you're sort of saying that you know going in and joining the grad scheme and things like that were there anything 
anything you did to sort of differentiate yourself in your application or anything like that? Because these graduate schemes can be tough to get onto. Like a lot of advice I give to people is, can you differentiate yourself? Is there one line that you can say, you know, I've sat at the airport over a hundred times and I've, yeah. I've watched and observed, I'm obsessed by it. Or is there anything that you can differentiate? Because hey, like I said, getting on those schemes, it's not easy. It's not easy. You're right. Um, and that's actually, it, this my specific year. I had 1,500 applications for four spots. Wow. So it was very competitive. Like I remember on the day where they've done the assessment center, they literally showed us a bar chart of like how many people applied, stage one, stage two, and now there's 16 of you and only four are getting the job. And it was like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? Now, I, I think part of my application was, this is like what I tell people, as I tell people there's like a three-step, there's three things that need to align with any job that allow you to actually get this role. It's you, the job description, and the vision for the company. Yeah. If you're able to present yourself as the person who can align yourself and sh- prove that your passions, your skills, if utilized correctly in this specific job description will allow the company to achieve its goals and its fundamental vision for itself, and you're able to draw a line through all of those things and show that they're all equal and they're aligned, bingo, you get the job. So. The way I presented myself when I read about the company, I, I realized that Heathrow Airport, something they massively focus on is the fact they're a people-focused organization. They are a people-centric organization. Yet, I was applying for the engineering graduate program. So I was going to be an engineer in a very people-centric environment. Now, the I when I read that, like I read that we have a technical sort of environment, but very people-focused at the same time, my mind was blown. I never realized that. How does that happen? How yeah. I, I was like, this is amazing. And the reason why I thought this was amazing is because that year that I spent working at Lufthansa, I was in a very technical, technical environment. Not technical people, technical, technical. It was all technical, no people. I had to spend my Saturdays and Sundays selling sofas at Ikea <laughs> just so I can have some people interaction, right? So I I knew how much I thrived off people, yet how much I wanted to dig my teeth into technical. So by understanding the job description, I was able to make that direct link in terms of this is who I am. This is how I discovered who I am. I spent a year literally fixing technical parts of an airplane and getting them back up to scratch. Yet, during that year, I used to spend my Saturdays and Sundays selling sofas because I loved working with people and I loved interacting with people. So I know that if I get a chance to work on the graduate program at Heathrow Airport, that means that I'm going to be able to work with people that solve technical problems all in the same place. And if I am able to do that, then I will allow Heathrow to achieve its overarching vision of being a people-centric company that thrives, yet the foundations of engineering that it stands upon are perfectly looked after from an engineering perspective. I think you've done it there. I've, I've got the application. <laughs> See what Literally, I mean? Like, <laughs> if you were able to explain that and someone was on the receiving end in a graduate program and you're able to articulate that, I'd, I would be like, wow. Like, if you're able to piece together that story mm. through what was just there and yeah. the corporate goals are, and the vision yeah. to what you're going to and how that you're going to play a role in that, yeah. I'll sign you tomorrow kind Thank of thing, you. yeah? So, okay, I think that's with every every job description. If you read the job description enough and you read the company vision and the value statements enough, you'll realize who they're looking for. And then you need to work backwards in you to understand what is it about you that stands out, that's very unique to you. That you. It's not about just what's unique to you. It's about what's unique to you that 
directly plugs into that job description, which directly plugs into the bigger vision for the company. So uh, this is a, a segment that will come on later, and it's advice to other young people. Yeah. But while we're here is, I'm going to say, when I was that age and that doing that, I never did that. Mm. I saw the title. Mm -hmm. I saw what was required. That was it. I would apply. I never added any context of how I fit into the role or anything. It is just, here's my evidence of hitting your checkboxes. Yeah. And I'm going to probably say out there that 70% to possibly 80% of people replying do that. Yeah. So they hit the check marks. Yeah. Not how do I strategically fit in or how do I characteristically fit in. Mm. Do you think that's getting less and less with sort of the next generation of workforce that people are sort of, I kind of call the next generation and I may be a part of it, of Netflix. That I just want instant results. Like yeah. here's the application. I'm just going to do it. Whether they want me, they want me. Yeah. They don't. You can really change that, can't mm. you? You know what's really interesting? I don't think <laughs> that this generation realizes that for every, let's do the maths, 1,500 for spots, I don't know. For every, let's say, 100 people who are just dashing an application across, there's one who's sitting there critiquing every word of that job description and making sure they align. So if they think they can go up against in this massive competitive market, they need to remember that people like me and you like exist and they're out there out there and they're hungry. Yeah. They're very hungry and they're willing to put in the work. If you're not willing to put in the work, it's theirs. And you need to realize that. Like I like the amount of young people that tell me, I ask them, Oh, you know, I'm struggling to get a job. I'm like, okay, how many, you know, what have you applied for jobs? They're like, yeah, man, I applied for like 300. I'm like, pause. How many of those 300 do you actually want to work for? How many of those 300 would you genuinely, if you read the job description, thought, bingo, this is where I want to build my career? And they're like, wow. Maybe like five. I'm like, so then why didn't you spend all that time just focusing on that five? Yeah. I feel like I'm hearing my niece and nephew. Right now, really? Like <laughs> I've just applied for so many jobs. I can't find any success or anything. It's just like. What was your, how much time did you spend? Yeah. Wow, it took me 10 minutes. I'm like, wow, it doesn't feel like that's the right matter. amount. Yeah. And people are like, oh, can you send me a CV? I'm like, as an example, send me a CV. You know, every single one of my CVs has a job description and company after it. There's no such thing as a generic CV. Every single one of my CVs has been ripped apart and put back together again with the words in the job description, the words in the vision of the company. And I work backwards from that and I plug my skills into that. Like, never do I just have a generic CV. So, like I said, for every single 100 people who are just throwing an application across the line, you've got people like, you know, people like me and you who are going to sit there and meticulously write an application. But this is it now. Like, yeah. I'm going to set you, I know you say me and you. Um, I made these mistakes, yeah? I did this when I was 17, 18, 19 likewise, years old. Likewise, likewise, It likewise, was just easy. I, di I didn't ever, and this is a, the gem of advice. If you're young and you're looking at this, you're looking at your first job, second job, maybe your 10th, 50th, you need to use the job description to fill in the bullet points of what you do and how you match, yeah? There are, let me talk you through the process. You'll, you'll go through an AI process <laughs> where it will look for the matching words from the job description. Okay, that's the first sift. Then you'll go in front of another person. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, I know what the job role is because I'm recruiting for it. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, this seems great. He thinks he or she can do X amount of X percent of the work, top of the list. If you've just said, you know, I've got sales experience. I worked at Ikea. I've done that. Lovely. Is there more? No? Okay. 
you know, the other hundred thousand that I need to get through bottom of the list. Exactly. You need to add context that differentiator. Yeah. I didn't learn that until very late because I didn't have someone telling me this is the elements that you need to look at. These are what you need to tweak and focus. Mm. That came later. Yeah. When I had an older brother, I had others yeah. that said, this is what I learned. But in early days, when you're young, post uni, you just want to throw out the net and yeah. see what sticks. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, we all, we all went through those mistakes. It's a learning process. And I don't want to, I don't want to sit here on my high horse saying, oh yeah, no. we all trust no. me. Every single right. one of us went through this and we all had random jobs here and there before we stepped into the aviation industry. My first job was stacking shelves in a, in my, you know, a, 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 a relative supermarket. You're not going to get your first job on the check-in desk at an airport. No. You, you start somewhere, but every time you hear these little like bits of advice here and there, just make it like a, make a conscious effort to make your application that 1% better, 2% better. And then just slowly, slowly tweak it, tweak it, tweak it to the point where you look at it and you're like, damn, that's good. Yeah. But yeah, everyone starts somewhere. Everyone starts somewhere. No, that's great. Um, and then coming back to the story, mm. your aunt pushing you to, hey, why don't you share this? Why don't yeah. you share this? So yeah. what what was the, the thought process after this? You've got it on your phone. You've captured this stuff. I'm, I'm imagining you haven't voiceovered anything at this point. <laughs> because a lot of people say, oh, you know, I kind of just put it on the internet and see what's up. Yeah. A lot of people, because I'm now doing this with content and yeah. stuff, the amount of effort that you have to go through, yeah. right? the thinking, the planning, Talk me through that piece where you've just had this idea. Now, how do you bring it to reality? What do you go through? So one thing about me is ever since I was like 16, yeah, I always was the kid with the camera videoing stuff and then going home and then turning it into like holiday videos and stuff like that. Like if you go on my YouTube channel all the way back, way back when 2016, 2015, yeah. I was the kid with a selfie stick. Ah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Making these little YouTube montage videos, right? So I loved making videos. I love sort of to create the creative sort of storytelling in video form. But I didn't really do much with it. Like when I was like I was like what 19, 18, 19. No, before then. 2015, how old was I? I can't remember. But like 2015, I didn't really do much with it. I was just kind of making holiday videos. Yeah. But there came a critical time in my life where I discovered personal development. When I was 21 years old, during that one year at Lufthansa, I started reading books about personal development. I started reading books about like the importance of your thoughts and your and the thoughts turning into your words, your words turning into your actions, your actions turning into your habits, your habits becoming your character, your character leading to your destiny. I was like, wow, like all of my destiny depends on my thoughts. Like these genuine, like fundamental truths about the world started to just like, shock my brain and like open my eyes to the reality of it all i started to become more financially aware i started to read books like rich dad poor dad rich like books like the power of now about the importance of mindfulness and meditation and being the observer of your thoughts and not being just sucked into it all so that one year of my life fundamentally shifted everything and what i used to do is i used to sort of take all the things that i'm learning from these books and i used to go chill with my friends and i used to just talk about what i'm learning and I remember what this was like one day, right? We all just sat back in the day. We used to go to the shisha cafes and stuff. Yeah. We all just sat in a shisha cafe. And then I remember for 45 minutes straight, I was just explaining to them this thing that I had learned in a book about um, a growth mindset. And like, I, it was just pouring out of my heart. Like I was just so amazed that nobody had taught me this stuff. I just really wanted to share it. And for 45 minutes straight, bro, I was just spewing this passion from my heart. And then one of my friends looked at me afterwards and he was like, bro, you just said everything that 
I've never even thought but wished I did in a way that I could have never said it. You should be a motivational speaker. So that was that was unbelievable. I wish I recorded it. And I was like, what? Me? I'm just <laughs> I'm just an engineer. I sell sofas on the weekend, but what are you talking about? <laughs> and like it just didn't I was like, nah, I just dismissed it. But then I realized that that that, that passion was in me and I really wanted to teach people this this stuff. So I before my auntie told me about I'll go share this stuff online, I made this quiet little page called um I think it was called continuous uh like continuous soul search or continuous development of some sort and i used to put all these motivational quotes on there about do this and do that and i still remember i have a video of me sat up in a tree talking about how you know you should, we, our thoughts are so important you guys should look out for your thoughts because your life depends on it and i remember and like i remember for six months i posted three things <laughs> and i put one story up and it just died it just yeah. died it never went anywhere um but when my uh, so, but here's what happened, right? And I'm going to get to to answer your genuine question. Sorry, I'm I'm taking a long no, way, no, but this fine. context is important. I when I joined Heathrow Airport in their graduate program, that passion that was in me about like leadership, thoughts, vision, like goal setting, human nature, psychology. I was so passionate about this stuff during the onboarding process of my graduate program. I became that guy. So every time they would ask, so you know, somebody share something about this. Every time I put my hand up to say something, all the graduates go, oh, here he goes again. He's going to, you know, he's going to give us like a, and everyone's like, right, listen up, minutes. listen up. Like, no, not 30 minutes, but like, I used to just drop bars, man. <laughs> like, I used to just, and this is what I used to get told anyway. I used to get told, like, you know, even the, the facilitator, she's like, Mo, like, where did you read this stuff? Because this is great. This is great. Like, we learned this stuff in training. And I was like, I don't know. I'm just, I, just, I just say it. Um, so on, on the last day of training, the manager, rather than like the facilitator, rather than facilitating it herself or himself, it was a guy called Jack. He was like, Mo, he handed me the pen. He was like, Mo, you do this bit. And the question was, what makes a good leader? And as soon as I stood up, I just felt in my, in my sort of flow state. I took the pen and I started to write on the board what makes a good leader. And then I had introduced myself as Mo T at that point. Yeah. So one of the girls, she was like, they need to be Mo motivational. And I literally wrote Mo underscore T underscore Vational. And that's where Motivate started. And I was like, damn, like Moti, Motivate. It works. So when my auntie told me, why don't you share stuff online? I realized I didn't want it just to be airport stuff. Yeah. I realized that that dream that I had with those three posts online, this was the time. So I rechanged the name of that page from continuous whatever to Motivate. And I was like, this is me. So what I used to do is I used to upload pictures every single day from around the airport and i used to just write a caption i used to pour my heart out into a caption and i used to actually i actually sold my car so i can create time in my day where on the train where i can just sit and type wow so it was a bit of a financial decision yeah a bit because i took that money i invested it but i also i was like okay if i want to manufacture time to write these captions and to invest in my page how can i do that and i was like well if i can sit on a train for 45 minutes each day that's enough time to write something and put a post up. So I literally, part of a process of selling my car, I didn't have a car for like two years. Most blissful time of my life. I used to sit down, I used to take a picture from around the airport and I used to just write a caption. Picture, caption, picture, caption. Tiny little video, caption. The captions would sometimes be motivational. Yeah. Sometimes be 
explaining what it is that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. So did you know that this air bridge works like this? It has this mechanism, it has this safety feature. And I'd write these long captions explaining it. Something happened though when COVID hit and TikTok emerged yeah. is that people didn't care about pictures anymore. People cared about videos. So then that past life of making videos crept into the equation. At that point, I probably had like three or 4,000 followers and it was all just pictures and captions. I never used to do much videos. But all of a sudden, videos emerged. And then rather than like take a picture of something and write a caption, I would just pull my phone out, take a video of it, and explain what I would have explained in the caption, but just in verbal just speech there and then. And I discovered that I'm really good at making really complicated things simple. Yeah. And that's the same skill that I picked up when I was explaining the motivational stuff to my friends. And it's like the same skill set just fell into place. So, you know, God like put it all in place. The, the video editing from when I was like a kid, the motivational speaking, the ability to explain complicated things in simple ways, access to an airport, understanding the engineering, all just kicked together into 45 little second videos about how things work at the airport. And that just became my thing. Every time I see something cool, I just pull my phone out, take a video of it, and put it on the internet. And I just kept doing that. And every time I'd upload, I'd make them a little bit better. First, I never used to put captions. Then I started adding captions. And I started removing, I started editing it up. Then I learned how to do loops then this, then that, and just slowly, 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 man, I just started putting stuff on there. And TikTok blew up first. Like TikTok went completely viral first. Instagram quickly followed afterwards. And then this community emerged of people who just wanted to learn about the airport. And all I was sharing was the stuff that I found interesting. But I always- you see every day. The stuff yeah. that I see every day, the stuff that people walk past. Bro, I picked up a piece of FOD. Yeah, FOD is foreign object degree, for anyone who doesn't know. Foreign object debris. Literally, it's a bit of plastic. I picked it up and I put it in the bin and I recorded myself do that. That video got 8.9 million views. <laughs> and Incredible. I was just explaining what FOD is. Yeah. And again, I just had this urge to educate about what I was seeing and what I was learning. The same way I had this urge to educate when it was the motivational stuff. One thing that's fundamental about me is I love learning and then teaching what I've learned. Yeah. And that's something that I'm discovering more and more every day that... I don't just love making videos. I love learning and then teaching what I've learned. And my, my weapon of choice, so to speak, is video. Yeah. That's it. I mean, yeah, that's, there's so many pieces to unpick in that. I, I mean, like, it will, you know, people would think, oh, lucky guy, right place, right time, just start off TikTok and stuff like that. But what you need to remember from that piece that Mo just described, and it's stuff that we brought up in other podcasts is, the effort the person has gone through and I, I talk about this with you know startups and you'll have loads of failed businesses and failed ideas mm. the youtube videos the motivational thing three videos and then you stopped it created a seed in your mind and and you learned a mechanism there yeah you did the, the reading and then the speaking to your friends and and more public speaking in yeah. smaller larger groups yeah, yeah yeah then that triggered it you've trialed and errored trialed and errored never going to come up with an idea do it and it hits just like that i uh, there's very one percent cases that when that works yeah. so it's not it is effort on the person's behalf you have to take the step forward mm. and so i commend you on that but it's a it's, you know it's a journey it doesn't yeah. it takes so many different occurrences for all that sort of stuff to happen yeah. but i discovered your videos in in uh covid as well and i was just like i can't wait it's pretty cool 
I travel a lot for work. And even I started recording my point of view of traveling for work. I never voiceovered because you know why? I started getting conscious. Mm. What's my voice going to sound like? Am I yeah. going to put my face on camera and stuff? Yeah. How did you overcome that? Because a lot of people start thinking, oh, let me make a face to you, YouTube or anything like yeah. that. They, they have that fear factor. Yeah. And I have that fear factor, but I've overcome it by doing stuff like this. Yeah, but good. How do you overcome it? How did you overcome it? Was it an issue? I think I started overcoming it when I was very young. Um, and it was by, and again, it's amazing how actually, like this is one of the first times I've zoomed out so much to like try and figure out how all of this stuff pieces together. Because the first time I sort of became okay with my voice was... I used to go, I went to an Islamic school growing up, mm-hmm. which meant that every single day, somebody had to do the call to prayer. Yeah. The Adhan. Somebody had to stand up and do the call to prayer. I was 15 at the time. Now, any 15-year-old who tries to raise their voice, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah? yeah your yeah. voice box is breaking, you're going through puberty, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not yeah. a great time. It's yeah. not a great time. No. Trust me, it's not a great time. Your voice is unpredictable beyond the measure. And here I was standing in front of the whole school at the tip of my voice like trying to create a melodic tune yeah and sometimes it would go wrong and in front of the whole school i'd sound like a broken record yeah. right and the the shame and the embarrassment that would seep into my soul yeah like from the the first time i ever stood up to do the call to prayer yeah i was so scared i still remember i was holding on to the radiator and my knees were shaking so violently that i had to hold on with two hands just to try and calm you can hear it in my voice yeah. like when i was saying but like i had to go through that again and again and again i've probably done the call to prayer over the years probably probably about 500 times over the course of two or three years at school just every single day and like 500 times of standing up there and doing the call to prayer to the point where on the last day of school when i knew this was going to be my last call to prayer i pulled out my phone and i voice recorded it voice recorded it like i was confident enough with my voice that i would record it we all hate recording yeah, our voices no one, likes it. no one likes to hear their voiceover but i was like you know what i'm all right with it so that that so shivering in my boots when i was 15 i guarantee pays dividends that when i was 21 i'd happily stand on stage and i'd speak to a crowd or i'd be in, in front of camera or i'd speak you know all of these little things where and then for example after the call to prayer it was oh Mo, can you read a uh, quran in the assembly and i'd stand on stage and i'd read in front of an assembly hall and just constantly putting myself outside my comfort zone not realizing what i'm doing yeah but just knowing that i was really scared in the process yeah genuinely genuinely fearful of what people would think of me and the judgment that come my way but i kind of just did it anyway very unconsciously I now look back and realize that's where it all started. That's why I can pull out a phone and just do it first time. Of course, when I first started doing content, it wasn't that easy. I still remember the first time I made like a YouTube video that one of me, I told you I was sitting up in a tree and I made that first video. I still have all the drafts for that first time. And one day I want to go back and I'm going to take a look at them, right? But it was, it was, it was October, 2018. Yeah. October, 2018. Oh no, June 2018. June 2018. I was sat up in a tree and I repeated myself again and again and again. I kept messing up and I kept starting again. That's the only way, by the way. The only way you're going to get better is to go through it. Yeah. Expect the fear, expect the shivering, expect the nerves. It's part of the process. And and, uh, again, this is a skill. And I would say to any young person starting out your career and stuff, this element of being able to talk to another human being, because 
again, this is another segment that we we do cover later of advice that we give, but we'll cover it now, kind of thing. Mm. Is um, a lot of people are now used to talking via text. Yeah, yeah. So WhatsApp and all that sort of stuff. The, the face-to-face interaction, the change of tone of voice, all that doesn't exist. So mm. that worries me in future generations that does that disappear the human interaction being able to read the room and all that sort of stuff and then do you start having complications with people not being able to do motivational speaking or public speaking because the shyness exists a lot more um so for me a lot of people like oh you've got the character to do this sort of stuff to do podcasting to do public speaking i don't rehearse content or anything like that it is truly coming from here yeah like We've discussed how this is going to go, yeah, and and what the concept or idea is. It's completely gone on in a in a different <laughs> path, but this is another human so talking to another human, right? Yeah. This is it. It's the natural way. I I worry that in our future gens of workforces, this mm. will disappear. You'll get AI, you get automation and stuff where people do they naturally start becoming robotic themselves? Mm. That I just do a certain activity, I go. I just do a certain activity, and I go. People still need to remember that. I I implore anyone young exploring their career never forget the human touch and the human interaction have a conversation with someone always whether you aspire to be something like them wanting to learn or just wanting to practice speech call someone for a coffee in the workplace and just say hey i would love to hear more about what you do watch them observe them and learn from them that interaction of 10 15 minute coffee will give you the skill i think or upskill you and a bit more confidence that extra one percent that extra one percent to overcome that because mm. i think that's become it's going to become more and more common i don't know what you think on that definitely man and actually one of the things that i that pained me the most thinking back about my educational experience was that nobody told me this so one thing that really 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 frustrated me when i look back at a sort of my university experience was that nowhere in my engineering degree did they make me did they tell me that 90 percent of my success in the real world 80% of my success in the real world has nothing to do with my technical skills and only depends on my people skills. Like, and that's a fact. Like, you, There's a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah. And in the opening few pages, it literally talks like this. It's like nine, 80% of your financial success, I think it's 82%. I don't know how they got that granularity of data. But 80% of your success in your career does not depend on your financial, sorry, does not depend on your technical abilities, but only depends on your ability to deal with people when i found that out and i and i i guess remember that, that year in Lufthansa, that year in Lufthansa where all these things started to become apparent to me when i joined heathrow airport and i just started motivate and i created the page the first thing that i used to do is i used to go online i used to find all the engineering societies in london city queen mary all these different engineering societies i used to i used to message them and i used to say hey i'm an engineer and i work at heathrow airport can i come and give a talk and obviously they'd be like sure and they'd see like the social proof online and i used to go and i used to go give them a talk and i never used to tell them what this talk's about to be about i used to say i'm an engineer i'm gonna come give you a careers talk and when i used to walk in i used to give them 15 minutes of engineering and 45 minutes of the importance of people skills and i used to draw an image in their mind that no matter how much they work on their technical abilities here there is a missing link there is a weakest link and that weakest link is when you take an idea from here put it into here transmit it through the air into somebody else's eardrum how does that message land doesn't matter how good your ideas are up here but if you can't translate them into a movement of your tongue that transmits through the world 
they might as well die up here. Yeah. And I used to literally make them realize, like, hold on a minute. I'm spending four years of my life getting better up here. How many minutes am I even spending getting better at this? Zero. And they all walk out, they're going, I haven't spent a single minute getting better at people skills. Yeah, I think I'm going to succeed in the world. Something needs to change. And then I used to recommend them all the books, all the podcasts, all the resources that they can upskill themselves to get better at the people stuff. And I literally used to do that. I'd done that for like two years straight, emailing, sending DMs, going, doing the talk on loop for two years straight. But see, this is it. Like, it's you taking the initiative. Yeah. A lot of people, you need to remember that opportunities don't just land on your, no. your plate. Yeah, it's very rarely that ever happens. Uh, and it's, it's these avenues when you have you put yourself out that then the opportunities sort of bounce back. It's You get the energy in the universe that you, you put in. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a, a definitely a valid point. Um, but sort of coming back, and it, it's it's fascinating to talk about career because you are so young, still discovering what you're what you're going to be and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, so you're now TikTok's blowing off. It's getting so much attention. I want to ask, how did your workplace find this? Because mm. loads of corporates have, you know, social media guidelines and all sorts. I'm not saying that you were doing anything negative at all, but some people try to want to put a cap on it. They don't want a s- that the brand or the company is a star often. How was the reaction in, in Heathrow? Mixed. To be honest, it was a mixed reaction. But there was two sides of the coin. And I guess I understand both sides. But to, to show you how, I guess, in real time, how it played out was this. When I first started the whole thing, I there was a quote that rang in my mind, which they had told me during the onboarding process. They told us, hey, if you have a good idea, don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness. So I was like, cool. <laughs> cool. They, they told me, don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness. All, all within rules. Yes, that there well, are. So now, now here's what I... Yeah, yeah, of course. Here's what I done with that. I went up to somebody very senior within the engineering team. And I said, listen, if I want to talk about the airport online, what are the red lines? What are the security processes? What are the bits of information? What are the, the key things that I should not talk about? What are those things? And that person sat down with me and they literally gave me an entire breakdown of everything that can and can't be spoken about online. Um, and then he also gave me a bit of sort of an insight into, okay, here's, here's, here's a thought process to take every piece of content through before you put it on the internet. If this was to be in the wrong hands, could it be used in a malicious way? etc 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 so i had this framework although it was my own framework but it was of my best understanding of the world and i asked for advice i created a framework for myself that i knew i could work within and then i just went for it and i just put stuff online and i just put stuff online and i put stuff online and like i said initially it started off as pictures so the risk was minimal and it also started off with zero followers so nobody cared right i was just that kid online who puts pictures up and writes captions about motivation sometimes in airports sometimes on the internet and i just kept going and i kept going and i kept going um and sometimes i'd upload something on my stories that i like the media managers would follow me and they'd see something be like hey man like let's get rid of this if you don't mind and i'd be like sure and i always 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 was like yeah whatever sure because i know that for every one thing I can't talk about, there's a hundred things I can, so it's not worth the battles. Yeah. I always got them on side. I was like, okay, teach me, like, what is it that I can't talk about? And I got them on side. And I also, another thing that I, I guess I'm blessed with is because I because I joined on the graduate scheme, I didn't just come through the operation. I had the sort of, I guess, the exposure to the C-suite 
that meant that I could play a riskier game. I knew I wasn't just going to get plugged out because I'm just a number in the system. I was on the Future Leaders graduate program. Yeah. And, you know, I had met all the C-suite executives. One of them was my sponsor. So I had, I had I guess, uh, a, a network that I knew I couldn't just get swept under the carpet and mm -hmm. just dragged through the system, which I know for a lot of people in the aviation industry across social media, they, they just want a number from the operation. And they do get squished, unfortunately, because yeah. the company doesn't want to have to deal with them. But I had that, that's that, I guess I leveraged that as an unfair advantage that I used to get to where I get to. I guess it was then, then after a while, people started to put red herrings out there and put lies. So there was a time where people would, would email the media team at Heathrow and be like, massive security breach at the airport, da da da, write a fat email, and there was a link. And where did that link take them? To my TikTok page. And then the, the, the lucky that luckily I had allies within the media team. Now, for every 15 people of the media team that was outraged at how this guy could put a video up like that, there was that one guy that would knock sense into them to be like, pause, what it actually is in the video that is causing a security threat? And he'd, he was my ally and she, and there was a few of them that would tone down and genuinely knock sense into people, yeah. the, 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 the discussion. And I, and I know now when I look back, like it was those allyships, it was those relationships that meant that I could keep going because they would, they would umbrella a lot of the stuff for me. Like a lot of stuff I didn't realize was, was being discussed in the background. And there's a lot of people who tried to knock me down, but it was those allies that put an end to it before it even got to me. And I, it, again, it just goes the importance of relationships and the importance of speaking to people and, and being open-minded and being genuine about your approach. Fundamentally, I just wanted to, every you, you could tell what I was doing was in a way that was adding value. But there was a critical point where I had enough data to prove that what I was doing was to add value. And I and I had apprentices who had joined Heathrow Airport only because they found out through my page. I had graduates who had joined Heathrow Airport only because they found out through my page. I had employees from across the whole business who were messaging me saying, hey man, I joined because I found your page and I thought I'd love to work at the airport. So I had now a, a mass of people that I thought, look, like I, this stuff isn't just, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going around making videos. This is having a genuine impact to our talent pipeline. And what I did is I then presented that to the decision makers. I presented that to the decision makers and I brought them on site. And I made them realize like, look, like what I'm doing actually is having a genuine impact. And it was that when, when my social media following actually crept past Heathrow Airport's official channels, <laughs> that was the day I realized, okay, this is serious. You know, if you add up TikTok and Instagram, there's more followers on my platforms than the official Heathrow Airport channels. And I think that's unbelievable. But it just goes it just goes to show the potential that is within each of us if we go independent. We don't have to rely on something else. And then now, when I presented that to um, our COO at the time, she actually created a role for me within the social media team to go and, and try out, see what how I feel like doing this full time see if I enjoy it and add value to the organization's social media presence through this talent skills that I guess I've picked up across the years. So the there have there's always going to be haters. There's always going to be people who try and knock you down. People see you doing well. They just don't like it. I actually once plotted a chart, which was how many times do I upload something on LinkedIn versus how many complaints do I get? Literally an X, Y, and Z. <laughs> 
and the proportionality was unbelievable. There was a few specific managers and leaders across the organization where the more I'd upload on LinkedIn about the things that I'm doing, the more they would just have this something. I don't know what it was in them that meant they just wanted to complain and they wanted to drag me down. But there were only a few people. The majority go crack on, mate. Do your thing. They're doing amazing stuff. So, so this is yeah. uh, this is an interesting. I think this this echoes all over the travel sphere. Yeah. I would say maybe less hotels and and online booking stuff because this is user generated content we're starting to talk about, especially when you start associating the brand. So a lot of people are like don't mention my brand. You do your own thing. Uh, don't mention the word Heathrow and um, don't show up in uniform. Just do you, yeah. and that's your own personal brand. But sometimes you got a, you're a representation of the brand. You proudly represent these brands. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I think only brands are starting to realize now that, listen, this is a, and this is a lot of talking to brands, by the way, that this UGC, this user-generated content, whether that's cabin crew recording their day at work, how their, their journey is all within means and, and uh, that is respectful and, and follows guidelines. It's safe. It is free marketing for you. Your brand is going. I'm going to tell you something. Like when I research a destination, I go on TikTok to find short form videos of where I'm going to go, how I'm going to travel. A lot of the time is their experience on their aircraft. Mm. I have made choices of what seat I will sit on based on a video mm. like business class actually looks pretty decent mm. yeah? or premium economy it's an upsell that was made by cabin crew that will never get associated to them and it's so hard to track but that's what it leads to increase in revenue yeah. increase in opportunity you said increase in applications and yeah. stuff in, in in the recruitment sphere yeah i think some brands are cottoning onto that and there's a lot we can learn from like we said, what you've grown up with and the next generation has grown up with YouTube world mm. where people create brands from their own identity. There are very big YouTubers that are now creating businesses and brands, whether they're sweets, whether there's drinks and all yeah. that, where they are the marketing. They yeah. don't have to pay agencies millions and millions to build their brand. They are the brand and they have the loyal following. Yeah. That's an intriguing step that, you know, especially in the airline and the travel space that we should create and this is one reason i created this today mm. is to give people a platform to promote their own brand whatever they represent however they represent it have a detailed discussion on that and create that platform so they are known and they further build that brand mm. that's what it's all about and i think that's key and I'm, i don't know if you find that as well but um the, 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 so what you raise there is you know people raise concerns and stuff like that you know a lot of these podcasts a lot of people don't ask you the details did any of those that feedback or anything sort of pushback that you got affect you mentally your mental space like i'm only trying to do good like why am i getting this and then also i'll talk about the other side because tiktok's quite public the comments mm. they're not always the nicest comments mm. how do you deal with them? the comments don't bother me as much as the people who smile in your face and then try and tear you down do. That's probably the most painful. That's probably the most painful. And I've had, had the unfortunate, but I guess expected encounter with people like that, where in your, in your face they smile and they say, God, you're doing amazing stuff, well done. Within an hour, they're on the phone trying to rip you apart. 
uh, and then that feedback gets passed on to you and you're like i literally saw them an hour ago what what yeah what it's funny sometimes they ask you for a favor you go to do that favor and then they say why are they why are they not doing their job and you're like i was doing you a favor and now you're saying i'm not, you know what i mean so it can sometimes be difficult especially when you're just trying to do good and like this when it comes to the social media stuff um specifically yeah it's it's not easy man it's not easy some of the my, some of my i guess darkest days in terms of like what's going on in here are the days where i feel like i'm 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 fighting against something for no reason like when somebody's genuinely just out to get you and you don't know why um but you kind of have to remind yourself that there's two ways to build the tallest tower in the world the first one is to build your own and build the tallest tower in the world and the second one is to tear everyone else's down and when you realize that you know some people go for tactic one and you're going for tactic one to build your tallest tower and other people are just here to tear everyone else's tower down you stop taking it personally you realize it's not about you it's about them there's genuinely something in them that has made them not want to see you succeed maybe you're doing the thing that they've dreamt about you know and mm. it's amazing like Alex Hormozy was in a podcast with Chris Wicks the other day and he was saying something that completely resonated with me completely he said that some people will watch you do well and you right now even though you're young are doing the thing that is the peak of their mountain like that's the thing that they dreamt about their career aspirations was to do what you're doing now for you this isn't the peak of your mountain you've still got a long way to climb but when they see that you're doing that thing that they that was the peak for them they don't want to see you do that thing because that reminds them of what how far they have to go and not only they have to go but it reminds them they haven't putting in the work that you have and that they have let them their own selves down when they recognize that they've let their own selves down because they haven't been putting in the work that frustration that anger means well the only the only way they know how to deal with it is to bring you down is to try and tear you down and to and to strip you from that achievement even though you haven't done anything to them but it's actually it's just there's an internal conversation that they're having within themselves that says i should have been doing that and they just don't want to see you have it even though they haven't been putting in the work to get yeah. there and man i've i've <laughs> i don't even know if i should share this but i've i've i i was I looked after the runway lights and the aerodrome systems for two years and a half, right? I was the subject matter expert, the SME for all the aerodrome systems on the airport. I got invited to an event to go and speak and share my, um, my the maintenance strategy that I implemented that drastically improved our results. Yeah. Like, you know, they had a huge impact and I was able to find discoveries and stuff. And it was a, it was a great, great sort of achievement that I had. And, this company invited me to come and share my story. I got a call from one of the senior leaders within the part of the business that said, I don't believe you have the expertise to go and speak on a panel like that. Even though I know for a fact, he doesn't have the expertise to speak about this specific thing. But I feel like because they hadn't been invited to go speak at a panel, they feel like you shouldn't be doing it either. Mm. And even though... <laughs> funny thing is i wasn't even representing the airport in that sense they invited me to go speak at this privately yet still he was like i don't believe you have the expertise to do that i want you to drop out of that and i had a choice it was either going to be a yeah. one of them ones or 
you know, you, you cut your losses and you go on to then move on to the next opportunity. You have to learn how to fight the right battles. But And I think that's yeah. a key bit of advice as well that I give to the young people out there. And I, I, I do hear my nieces and nephews when they work of small incidents that really demotivate them. And, and I think we as a workforce also need to be cognizant of the next generation of workforce, you know, mental resilience and exposure to problems that you may have grown up with or you've matured within the workspace the next generation haven't right uh, and harsh words or just harsh realities or cutting someone's opportunities while explaining it and things like that really does take a mental toll on people people think it's a personal attack yeah especially in the youth today like you know a lot of the environment needs to be perfect and needs to be well nurtured and stuff but that's not what reality is um and sometimes harsh treatment of people or harsh words can really demotivate someone and put them really in a bad place where they're like, I just don't want to work anymore yeah. or I'm never going to work here again kind of thing. Yeah. All from just one incident of yeah. you shouldn't have done this. Yeah. There's ways to deliver feedback, but also there's, it's never personal in business. Some Sometimes in small percentages it may be, but you need to see the best in someone else's person. Just think to yourself, this person may be having a bad day. They may have had a bad meeting give them the benefit of doubt then if it's continuous then i believe the next step is to have a conversation with the person that is there something i've done that's not works for you be the mature person in that sense mm. that needs to be your growth element never take it personally that oh, i'm going to leave the organization now i just got told off that's not how you should you should work so you need to have the mental resilience on that one um but it's really surprising what you say the comments piece uh i, I mean i've done a bit of few brands in the past and stuff like that where innocently i've I've posted things normal things i've done small e-commerce sites and i've just trolled absolute trolls of people like this is terrible this is rubbish i'm like i've taken it personally like really oh, no i've got really i put effort in this why is it rubbish yeah. I, i'm intrigued and wanting to know and when i speak to people like yourselves and others like you really do just need to ignore it don't get mm. personally vested in it it's hard you know it's hard you see those metrics and those numbers yeah. they're addictive yeah. they're a dopamine yeah and that's the other thing I want to come on of. How did you feel when you start hitting those million numbers? Um, and then how do you avoid looking at those comments? So the comment I made about sort of the comments don't matter. That's a very, that's a, that applies to 98% of the things I've done online. There's 2% where within a two week period, I probably received more hate than I've ever received in my entire life concentrated within a, probably a 48 hour period, not even a, not even a two week period, 40 hour period. It was where a, a podcast that I had done was taken out of context. Um, it was repurposed into something that it wasn't. Got put on Twitter, and I think it hit probably about 15 million views. <laughs> it, went, it went completely viral to the point where comedians and mainstream comedians were ripping into me. And they had no idea who I was. They had no idea the intentions behind that clip. They had no idea what I was actually saying. It was just a very badly clipped clip. Yeah. Um, which completely like reduced any of the meaning that I was trying to say. Yes, I could have phrased it in a better way. Yes, I had a uh, maybe a lack of understanding about the topic, and I understand that there was part of me. I don't just blame things on other people. There was definitely something I could have done better. But that forty-eight hour period, bro, I used to wake up feeling so heavy because one thing that sometimes that I realized about myself in that period was I hate feeling misunderstood. Mm -hmm genuinely one of the things that makes me feel most pain is feeling misunderstood and that's why those you know when somebody's trying to rip you whether they know you or don't know you 
you feel misunderstood. We all have good intentions, especially when we're trying, you're just trying to inspire the next generation, you're trying to do something that benefits somebody. Yet people are completely ripping into your, you have an e-commerce business that you're trying to do. You have good intentions, you want to build something for yourself. Yet you feel misunderstood because somebody's just destroying you. That feels heavy sometimes. It does. Um, you have to remind yourself these people don't know you. They don't know your intentions. They don't know what's going on in your heart. They don't know what your dreams are. They don't know what your vision for yourself is. They don't know anything about you. And they won't know anything about you. Because people like that don't want to know anything about you. All they want is their own little dopamine kick. Mm-hmm. Of feeling heard. Because for every comment that you get. They're looking for somebody to like their comment. And that they get their little tiny dopamine yeah. hit. While they can be sitting in the in the background. They're not brave enough to put themselves out there. And be, in, in, be a target. Yeah. So instead. They just try and get their mini little dopamine hits. By, uh, by being in the comments and saying something nasty. And hope that somebody replies or hope that somebody likes it just remember these people don't know you they don't know your intentions don't let that slow you down it did i sorry i let it slow me down sometimes and then i realized like yo my dreams are too big to let this slow me down yeah that's the fundamental bottom line that i come to whether it's somebody at work whether it's somebody who doesn't know me my dreams are far too big to let this slow me down and the amount of times where i have wanted to quit because of a throwaway comment here and there of somebody who I thought was on my side, but it turns out they wasn't, it really makes you just want to let go of the whole thing and be like, ugh. What's the point? Done yeah. with it. Yeah, what's the point? But that's I, a dangerous place to be. And yeah, I, I agree. And and one of the best best lines I've seen, and it was again short form video content that I got. Um, it's Tom Holland, Spider-Man, mm. the guy who plays it. He drops a line that says, If you've got a problem with me, text me. If you don't have my number, you're not important for me en- <laughs> enough to worry about. I think that's so relatable uh, yeah. and so thing. It's like, yeah, these people aren't, they don't know you. Yeah. So I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. So yeah, definitely uh, use that line on, on anyone. I think it works really, really well. Um, so yeah, I think that a great coverage on the career that you've had so far. Now this new transition. So mm. we're in the here and now and I've followed you for a while now on Insta. Um, we've been in communication back and forth trying to arrange this. And even just, you know, I, I really like resonating with people. Like, you're down the road. You work for a different company than I do, but we are. We work down the road. We're in the same sphere, trying to achieve the same things. Um, I love the fact that I'm able to just sort of say, Mike, love what you're doing, man. Keep going. Keep going. Those comments, I get them as well, and I'm, I'm really enjoying that. I, You know, just like you were called the airport guy, I went to a – uh, World Aviation Festival uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Like, hey, Portugal, you're the right? podcast guy, no? Nice. It's like, wow, it's working. Like, yeah. What I'm wanting to is reaching out. Still not there. Um, One step at a time. Exactly that it is. Um, but what does that now sort of next step look like for you? Now you've given up your passion of love and of engineering, and then you have got this other passion that you've developed. Are you giving up? Are you? balancing are you moving totally away what does that what does it look like for you now this new transition and it's lovely that hats off for Heathrow supporting you during this and giving you this opportunity absolutely so talk us through that what does that next phase look like and how does it feel so it's a four months comment that I am currently three months in this comments are there just for somebody to try right it's like a try before you buy yeah on both sides 
one thing that I, I, I learned about myself is that I love, number one, I love the operation. I love the operation. I live for the operation. Like that buzz of being airside, of seeing things move around, of the hustle and bustle, that's where I really genuinely thrive. Now, when I was in that environment, the thing that I really wanted to share with the world is how amazing it is and how amazing a career in that environment could be. And that's really what I wanted to share with the world and why I continue to want to share with the world is how amazing sort of an aviation career is. But when you just create content about the career, you don't actually have the career. Yeah. You realize you're not learning as much. Because you might be learning the skill set of storytelling and stuff like that. Fair enough. That's amazing, the skill set of storytelling. But I was learning how to be a storyteller on the side while I was being an engineer. You know, I was learning how to make videos on the side while I was being an engineer. All these things I could do on the side. But I, I, I've learned over the past three months by stepping away from the operation how much I love it. Um, so the thing is, though, the thing is, is that... The world genuinely needs somebody who's going to tell the story of aviation because nobody's doing it justice. Nobody has done aviation justice to the young people out there, to the next generation who loves this idea of aviation. There is no one out there who's really, well, there might be some people. I don't want to say there's nobody because I'm sure I'm doing We're somebody trying. We're trying. somebody. Yeah. But there aren't enough people. There aren't enough people who are genuinely working hard to share with these, you know, millions of people around the world how amazing a career in the aviation industry is. And that is the niche that I really want to go down. Now, when I tr when I made the transition to kind of do that full time, I realized that I missed being in a career as well. So um, part of, I guess, where my vision is, I, I would love to have a, a foot in both camps just because I genuinely, number one is the learning. Like I like learning more about the airport and you know this, mm. the, the airport, the aviation industry is one of those things you can never know everything about. So until I know everything, I want to have a job in it, right? Yeah. I want to, I want to keep pulling that string. I want to keep learning about how things work. And that's part of the USP of my content is not that I was just some random guy on the side who was making content, but actually I was doing the doing and document me doing the doing. So part of the next phase of my journey is I want to keep doing the doing. And this is actually something I only came to about probably about two days ago. So, you know, I don't know if you can really hold me accountable to it because it, these are these are thoughts that are just crystallizing in my mind as we speak. But I think better when I speak anyway. So maybe this is where it all sort of clicks together and I might use it as the opportunity for that. But I genuinely enjoy being in an environment where I'm learning and I'm piecing together problems and I'm solving them. I'm an engineer. I love trying to understand how we can make things better. And the way you learn how to make things better is you have to really embrace the thing and try and get your head around all the different perspectives of that thing and then work backwards to click it all together. Mm -hmm. Now, I would love to document to the world that process of doing that. And yes, I don't need to be knee deep in every single part of the industry, but I want to at least have, have a corner where I can, I guess, claim it to be my own um within 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 the industry um yeah what's what's next is i guess the fork in the road is is something like this i want to have a career as a content creator that runs alongside a career in aviation 
I've realized that when I merged the two, it wasn't as fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't as fun when your job is to be a content creator. It's not as fun. You don't get to you don't get to be feel as part of the aviation industry as I once did, because you kind of feel like the cameraman on the side yeah. just documenting yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. You're not doing the doing. I I love doing the doing, um, but man, I I I, I want to help. Ultimately, bottom line is if we were to put it into a nutshell, I want to help brands. I want to help the ind- the aviation industry as a whole tell their story, and and in a way that resonates with the world, because I feel like brands in the aviation industry are struggling to attract talent and are struggling to tell their story in a way that really clicks and resonates. The world has changed. The world doesn't like flashy adverts anymore that are clean cut adverts. The world wants authentic user generated content, content that feels real, content that you look at and you're like, I can relate to that person. So I want to help brands utilize my platform to get their message to the world and show what opportunities they have amongst their industry within their industry and share to the world that part of them so i would love that is kind of what i'm building on the side and and an opportunity for brands to show the world what they do through me that's when i feel like i'll be the airport guy but i want to keep learning about the airport hence why the foot needs to stay within the operational environment that's amazing i mean um so much so much harmony i mean it is very similar to what i'm trying to achieve in this space as well and a lot of people say oh you're just sort of filling your ego right wanting to be on camera i'm like no no i've identified that there is a huge problem yeah. in the next generation of aviators and, and travel i love the brand that i work for love it it has given me the opportunity to travel the world through my my father through my brother seen parts of the world and i have a deep affinity to british mm. airways i can say that out deep affinity has a special place in my heart ticks me off sometimes absolutely but <laughs> as they deep, all do man. deep affinity do. local brand it is given it my dad says it's fed it's fed you and, mm. and you grew up through it it was the bread and butter so i i always want to do it it's it justice and it celebrated 100 years a couple of uh, years ago i want to see it around for 200 i want to make sure it lasts for that so i want to be a part of that journey and it may not be the case i may move on to other places great but that's the vision but i always want the feed and the mechanism of great people coming in to work in this great place travel whoever it is whatever a brand it's infectious so infectious and then i only realized this line that i'm about to say because i worked on uh, a marketing project with with the large teams and stuff like that and you know we were talking to agencies and i said i want to ask them one question they're pitching for our work i want to ask them for one question so yeah okay go ahead raza like go and say it so why do you want to work for an airline post-COVID? Is that going to be good business for you? Does mm. that make sense? And I couldn't get a great answer back. They were like, oh, you know, really, it's a really great brand to work for and stuff like that. And, they were, and then only up until said, well, why should we work with you? One person said it. And I think they were the winners in the end, but it wasn't because of that. But they said, why should we work with you? You tell us. I said, let me tell you why. And I've said this on the other podcast and people may clip it. And I hope you do. But um, I don't think you realize now how important travel and aviation is to the world. You might be Mohammed Tahir, the engineer, but your engineering mechanism and skill that's improving the plane or making sure the plane is, is, is catered for and getting to somewhere safely is allowing a parent to go visit their child graduating from MIT, Harvard, wherever in the world. And realizing a father or a mother's dreams that they didn't think they would have 
They came from a humble background, put all their investment in their child, and they're watching them grab uh, and living their dream. You help deliver that mm. by taking them from A to B. You're allowing someone to go grieve a parent, a, a partner, a brother, sister, wherever they are in the world. You're a part of that journey. You know, travel and aviation isn't just getting from someone to A to B. It's the emotional experience. You're an emotion. You're an experience company. You're providing them a pleasant experience. They delivering, you know, possibly what is a traumatic experience. But you are in charge of so many emotions. And the only differentiator that an airline, rather than travel, I'll speak speak airline specifically. So that's where I'm going. Because it's maybe the only place where you have a captive audience for a short amount of time where you can win them over and give them the best possible experience in life. You can change their emotion, their thinking in a two, three, eight hour period because they're in a confined space. Mm. You play such a gr- it plays such a big role in society. Think about businesses doing business. They fly over to the increased GDP, tourism, all that. Take travel away, that doesn't exist. And COVID would have brought that about of, damn, that doesn't exist. It's, it's not just that tube that goes from A to B. It's the emotion, the business, everything that flies with it. It plays a huge importance in society that I think we've forgotten. Mm. So when you zoom out and you say, hey, I'm a part of that, you sort of go with your chest out that, damn, I have a place in the world and that's where I'm contributing to. That's that's pretty cool. I think we tend to forget that. Mm. So I would always say, remember that, zoom out and be like, hey, I'm allowing someone to achieve an emotion here, whether I'm just fixing a tire on the plane or allowing something on the runway to be fixed. I'm a part of a cog of the system or an ecosystem or a brother stroke sisterhood to deliver an emotional state and deliver them from, from going to A to B in the safest possible way so they can achieve what they want to achieve, uh, carry out what they need to carry out. Yeah. You're in charge of so many stories and you don't even realize it. That's mm. the amazing, the most amazing thing. They really are. And, and the beauty of that is these stories can be infinite. Yeah. Like, think about, think about, you know, both of our parents probably when they came to this country. I don't know about your parents, but mine came by a plane and they landed at Heathrow Airport. Maybe your forefathers, who knows? But like, we are able to facilitate lives that change. Yeah. Right? 100%. And the same with mine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the cool thing, man. We're able to literally facilitate like lives changing, but you have to always bridge that connection because it can be so easy to forget it can be so easy to get into the mundane the day-to-day and just kind of the hustle and bustle for me it's it's i go downstairs on terminal five and i just stand at the arrivals hall people watch just people watch five ten minutes just stand around and watch people greeting each other hugs kisses it's amazing when you think when you look and you go wow like this is what i'm part of this is what i'm part of okay <laughs> yeah, okay, it's, I like it's something I, I i agree i agree it's definitely uh, yeah when you step back it sort of sends even goosebumps up me of like god what am i responsible for and even if i'm just in the back office doing something i play a part in that yeah. um uh, amazing and and there is another element i want to talk about and it's a part of the side pieces that you do and the the motivational speaking and things like that um it is something called fantasy wings that you're a part yeah. of yeah yeah. tell us right. a bit more about that um it's new to me it's only because i'm following you and i get the wings but i would love to hear the details about that who's who are the type of people you're working with the achievements that you achieve because there's one really big one that's come about 
that uh, may have closed by now, but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a, a good one. So Fantasy Wings is an amazing, amazing organization um, that was founded by a guy called Jackson Smith. Now, Jackson um, was part of the aviation industry and he realized very quickly on, as I think we all have, that representation is an issue, um, especially for young people who are from underrepresented backgrounds. There is no clear pathway into the industry. Um, you might have an uncle or an aunt that sort of points you in that direction, but because there isn't that representation, it can be quite hard. You don't see the people in the cockpit you know, working on, on the ground, fixing the aircraft. You don't see people in air traffic control that look like you, whether you're from a minority background or, if you're, or whether you're a woman, you do not see these people that look like you. So what Fantasy Wings does, Fantasy Wings bridges the gap between these young people who are from underrepresented backgrounds and women to the industry and it creates connections and it creates opportunities for these young people to not only learn about the industry, but then have direct access pathways into the industry. So Fantasy Wings has partnered with British Airways, Civil Aviation Authority, EasyJet, Virgin Atlantic, Nats, the Airline Pilot Club, there's a couple of others, um, the World Champion Air Races, so what previously would be known as Red Bull Air Racing, and a few other organizations in order to create opportunities for young people from diverse backgrounds. And what I do as part of Fantasy Wings is I actually facilitate their programs in London, Birmingham, and Manchester almost every single Saturday of the year for 10 months straight. So starting in October all the way to July, almost every single Saturday for 10 months straight, I'll be either in London Birmingham or Manchester with over, I don't know, three, four hundred, five hundred young people from diverse backgrounds between the ages of 13 to 25, where I teach them all about the aviation industry. And not just me, but I bring professionals from the industry, whether they're, um, for example, next week we have a girl called Alice who works for Virgin Atlantic. She is the A350 avionics specialist for all the systems on board an A350. She's a mixed race girl, grew up in London. Right. So when a, a young girl in the crowd can look at Alice and see that she's the system specialist for the A350 for Virgin Atlantic, what does that do for that girl? What does that do for her? She goes, oh, my God, if she can do it, could it be me. she looks like me. She talks like me. She's from the same ends that I was from. That could be me. When they see um, a, a young Asian woman who's a, a first officer on one of the best airlines in the world, that it comes to the room to sit down and speak to them. What does that do to them? When they can see uh, a black air traffic controller who comes down and speaks to them, right? You don't typically see these people, right? Yeah. You don't typically see people from our backgrounds doing amazing things in the industry. And if they are in the industry, they're kind of hidden. What Fancy Wings does is it gives a platform to show them to these young people. But it's not just about inspiration. It's about knowledge. It's about genuinely educating them about the industry and then creating the opportunities that they can plug directly into, which is why we do these partnerships with these brands. It's not just about a brand saying, oh yeah, we've partnered. It's like, no, no, no. What value are you going to give these young people? Yeah. And with that value comes um, opportunities to get um, PPLs. So we sponsor three young people each year. We give three PPL scholarships so they can get their private pilot's license completely paid for on the house with fancy wings we give over 50 young people trial flights where they get a chance to actually experience the magic of flight wow. for an hour in the sky these sort of opportunities man <sighs> this is stuff that you would have dreamed of as a kid exactly. yeah and i get to make those dreams 
come true for the next generation and it fills me with joy every single week in week out up and down the country i get to meet the future of this industry face to face and show them what's possible and look and here's where we differ as a as a podcast because i'm now going to ask you the pressing question of why mo like you have your weekend you have your job you have your content that you're creating why what what is it in you what is in your genetic build-up what what's pushing you to do that you don't have to why i realized that god's given me something that if i don't use it'll be a shame i think every single one of us god's given a gift that if we don't actually put to good use we take it with us to the grave and like genuinely when i go to sleep each night and i'm knackered because I had a full day at work and then I've been working flat out doing X, Y, and Z. I have podcasts where I'm back to back to back, traveling from this place to this place, giving this talk, that talk all the time. I go to sleep at night knowing that that gift that God gave me, I'm putting to good use. And I think that creates a life worth, a life worth living. When you can recognize your gift understand the problem in the world that means something to you and then actually deliver and do something to move the needle in that space that gives you purpose it makes you feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself right that's that that get that does something to me man like i i was that kid one day like you said i was that kid one day who would have dreamed about these opportunities and just because nobody done it for me I'm now in a privileged position where I get a chance to do that for a younger person. And not only am I in that position from a work perspective, but God's given me the ability to speak. He's given me the connections and the network. He's op- He's presented the door right in front of me. But all I have to do is open and go through and I can change and impact the lives of hundreds and thousands of young people around the world by actually going through that door. What am I going to do? Just say, with my hands in my pocket. A lot of these opportunities have come through a lot of hard work. Now that they're in front of me, what am I going to do? Just sit around. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go through that door. And then when, that, when you go through that door, there's going to be another door. And another door, another door, another door, another door. But every single time you see that door, if you feel like it aligns and you're able to use your gifts and you're able to add value in the world, let's do it. Because then when that young person sees you doing it, what are they going to do when they grow up? Replicate. Exactly. And if we can do that for our generations that come, I can be in my grave knowing that I did my bit. Yeah, I think there's a very famous line of uh, be the change that you want to see in the world, right? Yeah. And this people replicating what you do but amplifying it 10x yeah. is the dream that you can hope for. You're inspiring one person to then go on. It's, that, it's the, the butterfly effect, as it were. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, amazing. I commend you for doing what you're doing at such a, such a young age. Um, the great work you that you're such doing. Young age, man. How old are you? I'm I'm 33. Come on, man. I'm not too far. I'm only 27. We've <laughs> only know. got like I five keep, years. I keep talking like I'm I'm really well <laughs> yeah, established. We're not. I mean, yeah. by all means, we've we've hopefully we've got so much got to look forward to and, and to work with. Uh, and again, um, I we will put the details of Fantasy Wings in the description. By yeah. all means, out there, if you are a brand or anything, uh, most details will be at the bottom as well. Um, feel free to connect and this is all we're about and making those connections because uh, that's the most, one of the most important things that we do um, so I have 
we, we're going to come towards the end of our session soon, right? So uh, one signatory thing I do, I don't know if you've seen, is a, it's a quick fire round. Let's go. Um, seen it. Yeah, so it will start off with just uh, one-worders, uh, and I just need to give your opinion on something. I struggle with one-worders. And then... Um, <laughs> Turn them into one-sentences. And then we'll go to sentences, <laughs> and we'll get your thoughts and some stuff, yeah? Oh, right. uh, I think I've pretty much covered all the questions that we were going to cover, but yeah, so uh, let me know when you're ready, and we'll fire away. Always ready. Airport. Me. <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> Heathrow. Home. Engineering. Problem solving. Sorry, it's too but problem solving. Is that okay? It's fine. Travel. Life. TikTok. Change. Social media. Opportunity. The future. Can't wait. <laughs> Favorite aircraft type? 747. Favorite airline brand? I've never flown with them, but Virgin Atlantic for no reason at all, <laughs> other than they seem cool. <laughs> Listen, you don't even pay me to say this yet. <laughs> Chicken or beef? Chicken wings. Oh. <laughs> Good luck getting that on a plane. Aisle or window? Window. It's not a question, is it? City, ba city break or beach break? Silly. Favorite book to read on a flight? Anything that will teach me something. Favorite hobby? I don't have time. <laughs> There's one that people I've I've seen on your socials. Running. That's the one. There you go. <laughs> well, that's see for me. That's not even a hobby. That's like a task. Like, ah, I need to do it. Way of life, is it? Yeah. Um, are you a last minute boarder or an early lounger? Probably everything in my life is last minute. I can't lie. One essential travel item that you can't go without deodorant <laughs> we've had headphones we've had face cream deodorant come on man are you gonna up <laughs> the whole plane i mean for the, for the people sat next to you for their sake take deodorant <laughs> uh one thing that you'll change about the travel industry i would allow more opportunities for young people to experience it one bit of travel advice that you would give anyone don't think twice just book it Favorite holiday destination? You know what? Can I give two? Because they're two very different. Fine, I won't. Let's go Norway. for it. No, no, we'll go for it. Norway and Vietnam for two very different reasons. Culture and experience, Vietnam. Norway, like nature, like you've never seen before. And just peace. Man. I just sit on a, just hanging off the side of a cliff in Norway. With my legs dangling with like a thousand meter drop. Just take a deep breath. Can't beat that. Common myth about engineering. It's hard. <laughs> it's <I'd> hard. <laughs> you don't have to be smart either. You can just do it. <laughs> Advice that you would give to your younger self. Uh, 
believe in your source. And one key learning that you've taken away in your journey and that in your growth journey so far. One key learning. See that for me? We'll do it again. One key learning that you've taken away in your growth journey so far. Other people matter more when you interact with them than you do. Fantastic. That's uh, all I've got for you. But yeah, thank you, man. Thank you so much for today. Um, I know it's been a long time coming, um, but I am hoping that this is the first of many interactions and we are, we'll stay in touch. Absolutely. I'm always following on your journey. I'm wishing you all the best in the world. Um, I'm always a phone call away. So by all means, reach out whatever you need and and thank you so much for coming on the podcast and i'm sure there's hopefully uh, a bunch of younger generation that will come and, and join this podcast and look at the different careers via the avenue you, you sort of create and um i want to just sort of take the time to sort of say this is a very diverse industry both you know from people but the roles that it can create the I, I, you know, we kind of say that you can be a lot of things in this industry. You can be a doctor, you can be a venture capitalist, you can be a, a, a social media expert, you could be a content creator, you could mm. be a pilot, you could be a stewardess. There are so many avenues and we do need you. There are stories to be told. There are experiences to be delivered for so many people. And, you know, we definitely want you on that journey. So um, I hope this podcast has been of uh, use to everyone. And uh, Mo, thank you so much. And uh, is there anything you want to end up and and saying? I just want to say thank you, man. Thank you to you for for having me. And it's a, it's so inspiring to see you know you taking the step to actually make this happen. You've seen an issue in the world, an issue that you want to help tackle, and the fact that you've actually taken the initiative to say, you know what, I'm gonna do this. Congratulations, because not many people take that step from making a concept become a reality, and I have no doubt it's gonna pay dividends upon dividends upon dividends. For the years and years and years to come bro and i can't wait to see that journey flourish amazing thank you there's no better way of ending so uh thank you so much and uh god bless take care